time is always on my side. Well, except for right now, because the show is starting. Now. Alright, welcome to episode 36 of Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This week, for the first time ever, someone from South America is going to tell you his Iron Maiden story. Someone that was very close to getting in on the ground floor. Wait till you hear this. Okay, I bet you're wondering to yourself, who who shared the show this week? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the people that shared the show, Iron Maiden Stories Installment 9 on Twitter, were... Let me catch my breath for this first one. Andrew Weekend Warrior Whitnall, who lives in Melbourne, Australia, but is from Sussex, England, UK, on Great Britain. Whew. Yvonne from Malta, Louise from Venezuela, Alan from Paisley, Scotland, UK, Andy from Falkirk, UK, Don McIntyre and Stephanie Jangray, both from Liverpool, England, and the Metal Chat Podcast based in Boston, Massachusetts. I'll let you guess who that is. It was also shared on Facebook by Joel Hebensberger from Guthrie, Oklahoma, Melissa from Boston, Lisa Metcalf from Saginaw, Texas, and the Liverpool duo of Don McIntyre and Stephanie Jane Gray. I definitely want to thank you all so much for sharing the episode because it's people like you that share it with your friends and whoever and, you know, maybe get someone new to listen, maybe... Uh, you know, it's just supporting the show. And like I said, I really appreciate that because I just started this in my kitchen in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> so I did never expect people from all over the world to be sharing it. So it's really, really awesome. Really. Thank you very much. Okay, let's get to the main attraction.
today I have somebody on the show with me from a part of the world that I have not spoken to anyone from yet. I've got Luis from Venezuela on the line, and I'm really excited to talk to him. Luis, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you, Steve? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Now, um, now me and Luis have taken we've, – we've been on the phone probably for at least 20 or 30 minutes just kind of getting to know each other a little bit. But uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some things here Iron Maiden related and uh, find out uh, Luis's Iron Maiden stories. He's got some really cool stuff to tell us. So um, I'll go ahead and start right off the bat here and kind of get you to introduce yourself. But uh, I've, I've, one thing I've been telling everybody that I talk to is I'm learning a lot about geography when I'm talking to these different people because I just, I just do not know the world very well as far as I've talked to people from you know, uh, England, Australia, New Zealand, now you in Venezuela. So I'm looking up everything when I talk to someone or e- someone emails me. I'm like, okay. Where exactly is this? And I find out, and I think it's really cool. So um, if you will, um, for anyone who listens, introduce yourself, and if you don't mind, share a little bit about where you're from. All right. Well, as you said, my name is Louis. I'm 46 years old, uh, born and raised in Venezuela. Uh, I've been a maiden fan for about uh, 36 years, and well, I've uh, it's on the tip of, uh, it's got great climate, uh, got beaches, mountains, and it's, it's a beautiful country. All right. All right. And, you, and you said it, it cut out a little bit, but you, I know you said it was on the tip of the northern tip of South America. So, yeah. All right. All right. So, um, that's awesome. So we'll just get right into it here. So. Uh, when you were growing up, what type of music were you listening to or into before Iron Maiden came along? Well, I basically uh, was listening radio stuff. And I do remember that the heaviest thing I used to like was uh, Van Halen. Okay. But I, I actually didn't bought music. I mean, in uh, 1981, uh, which was the year I got introduced to Maiden, and I remember the heaviest thing they played in the, in the radio was like Van Halen Jump, which was something I really <laughs> loved. So Van Halen Jump was something, um, and that was about, you said that was about the heaviest thing they would play on the radio? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, okay. So, so from going from that, um, when did you first hear Iron Maiden? I first heard Iron Maiden in the 1990 with No Prayer for Your Dying. And that's a whole story. Okay. Because, because what happened was, um, when I was six years old, my father used to take us to this huge record store. And one day he said, like, okay, go and pick whatever you want. And I remember I was strolling through the aisles, and I was going through some records, and I used to love, like, the cover sleeves they have for, like, um, ACDC and stuff. Then I was uh, rummaging through, through the vinyl records, and then this yellow guy with the punky hair appeared, and it said in the upper part, 
Iron Maiden. And that really <laughs> struck me, you know? Like, it was like, oh my God, this straight out of a comic book. <laughs> and I fell in love with it. I remember taking the record and I saying to my dad, Dad, this is the record I want. And my mom and dad, like, oh my God, what's that thing? It's gonna eat the brain of my child or something like that. And so I remember like, like my dad grabbing the record and said, oh no, no, you don't want that, you want this. And he took out this uh, collection of Smurfs album. <laughs> Smurfs. Yeah, I no, do. No, this is what you want. This is what you're gonna get. And, he, and my mom oh. like taking out and and, and hiding the, the the. So that was the first time I I knew about this this band called. But and the story can go on and on and on. But uh, when I wow, I so that, don't know so that was when why. you were six years old. Yeah, 1981. 1981. Wow, that is, that's way back in the history. Okay, so, so from there, uh, you said that it was around No Prayer for the Dying. Was the No Prayer for the Dying album out when you first, uh, that's, that's when you got in, that's when you first heard him after that? Uh, yeah, because what happened is I, I kept encountering Iron Maiden records through all my life, but I mean, I never thought. Of, about buying a record uh, until I was like 16 years old and it, it was 1999, no, 1990, sorry, sorry about that. And I said, okay, I'm gonna buy a record. And I went to this huge store, not, not the old one, uh, this new huge store. And I said, okay, I'm gonna buy this Iron Man record. And I remember that I had Seven Son of the Seven Son and no prayer for dying. So the the cover sleeve for um, no prayer for dying better. So I bought the record without even having uh, any idea about how I remain and sounded. Interesting. So oh, through all much. those, say again. Go ahead. Yeah. So I got home and <laughs> I opened the record. I put it in the, in the um, how do you say that, in the timetable, I don't know, in the, well, yeah, I put the record table. on, uh -huh. I turned it, uh -huh, turntable, and I put the record on, and that was the first time I heard Iron Man in my life. Wow, so interesting that you, that you saw them and were aware of them in 1981, but never actually heard their music until 1990, that is, that's, that's crazy. That's wild. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And, Go so, ahead. So, so no one introduced you to Iron Maiden. It was just you, the old-fashioned way, walking through a record store, perusing through the aisles and looking at different album covers, and you were drawn to the first Iron Maiden. And then, like you said, you saw them throughout the years, but. I guess it sounds like a, the, the, your, your parents were not really saying, hey, let's get you this. And then you get to 16 and you get the, uh, you see that and you're like, okay, I'm getting this now. And that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. But, and another funny thing is the first time I heard them, I wasn't convinced that I liked them. 
yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to buy another one. And then uh, the next week, uh, I went about uh, somewhere in time. I said, okay, <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's give this a spin. And I put a record on and the first uh, caught somewhere in time. Uh, yeah. And then wasted years started and right there. And then I got majorized. I said, oh, my God, this is the best thing I heard in my entire life. And that was it. And that's the whole story. And from there on, I've been a, a, a real, real, real good fan. <laughs> that's really cool. Um Okay, so because I was going to ask you what was the first album you got. So it's interesting because you had never heard Iron Maiden. You go to the record shop, you buy No Prayer for the Dying, and you take it home. The first time you ever hear them is after you have purchased your first Iron Maiden album. That's really, that's got to be kind of rare because I figure a lot of people, um, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I heard you know, a compilation or somebody played me the song or I randomly saw a commercial or whatever. And that's interesting. So, uh, so the very first song you ever heard by Iron Maiden would have been tail gunner then, right? Right. That's correct. So, okay. So what was your, okay. So you, you, you put the needle on the record, the record starts, the tail gunner starts. What, what do you, do you have any recollection of like right then when you were thinking, Oh, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be or, or what was your thoughts? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> you said it exactly. I thought, oh, this is heavy. Because as I told you, um, the heaviest thing I, I used to hear was Van Halen with Jump. And that's not, I mean, heavy. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, oh, my God, what's this? It wasn't the heaviest thing because I remember seeing the video for one from Metallica. Right. So that was the, like the heaviest. The, the, this was, oh, oh my God, I bought this record with this. I don't know if I really like this kind of music, you know? So it's, yeah. it was weird. That's, that's really neat. That's really neat because uh, I know everyone's heard the story of me getting into Maiden, but you know, the first song I ever heard by them was Flight of Icarus. And mm. when I heard that, I, I had always seen... At that point, I was probably I was a real big I was real big into Kiss, and I had heard things like um, Quiet Riot, uh, Twisted Sister, uh, probably uh, maybe Motley Crue, like Shout at the Devil, uh, maybe the band Rat, and you know so and those all fall into a certain amount of heaviness. You know if you compare it to uh, even to Van Halen Jump, all that stuff's a little heavier than that, but. Um, I always thought that in that time, I guess I'm thinking back and I think of seeing the album covers and just thinking, oh, these guys are going to be really heavy, heavier than I'm into or whatever, you know, just what, however I rationalize it as a, as a young teenager. And, but when I first heard Flight of Icarus, it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is accessible. This is not, it's melodic. It wasn't what I was expecting at all. So did you come seeing, and, I, and I'm sorry if I'm beating a dead horse here, but seeing the album covers, 
And when you put it on, did you expect it to be heavier than it was, or did you were you kind of surprised that it wasn't as heavy? Mm, wow, that's that's a great question. I, I mean, it was the heaviest thing I've heard. <laughs> so it was. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. I, yeah. Oh. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be pop rock, but I wasn't expecting like heavy metal, you know. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I, I just, um, I always go back to that and think that I remember thinking that I didn't know. I, I just remember being really surprised when I heard Flight of Icarus because I was like, oh my, this isn't, this is not what I was expecting. I was probably expecting. Because that would have been in the. I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I just thought it was going to be heavier than 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 what I had been into, or or I maybe I just kind of uh, built up in my mind that I wasn't going to like it. I don't know. I'm wasn't a very good. It wasn't a very good uh, uh, way to start. But <laughs> yeah. now, um, okay. So you heard. So the first thing you heard was that obvious. Okay. So you said the next album you got was somewhere in time, which I can imagine. Compared to hearing, okay, wait, okay, wait. You listened through "No Prayer for the Dying," uh, and you—I don't know how, how. Okay, quick question is how how long was it before you got somewhere in time after you purchased "No Prayer"? A week, be, a week after, right? A week. Oh, after. week. Okay, okay. So, in the time that you listened to "No Prayer," I'm, I'm assuming you probably listened to it a, a good bit of times, and. Do you remember what was your favorite track off the album before you ever heard Somewhere in Time? What was your favorite track on the album? Oh, uh, wow. Um, or was I it too quick Tail to Run. really? Tailgunner? Okay. Yeah. It was a great opener for an album, I thought. It is. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. So, and I can imagine, because hindsight we can all look back and know what we know about iron maiden and know that when they hit no prayer and fear of the dark that obviously adrian was out of the band and the sound had changed they had you know it was a little more it was a little closer i would say to the sound of the first album it was a little more the songs were shorter for the most part and they were you know, had a little more of just a straight ahead rock. Like they were trying to go for a little rougher sound. So you go from that mm-hmm. to you turn on and the first thing you hear on caught is caught somewhere in time where it has that very lush, rich fade in that. And it sounds so great. So mm-hmm. what was your, so you mm-hmm. said you heard that and you, and I like the term you used, you said you were maidenized. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay, I'm, and I might be jumping ahead here. So when did you first hear Paul sing after that? Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, well, I, since I was maidenized, I said, okay, now I've got to have everything from these. <laughs> and if you remember, in the 1990, they just uh, put out the first 10 years collection. Correct. So I... I was very lucky, and I went and uh, I first bought uh, Beast, then I bought uh, Seven Son of the Seven Son, then I bought Live After and I started buying the, the first 10 years collections. 
and the first one that has purgatory. And I remember putting the CD uh, from Purgatory, and then uh, I was expecting to hear Bruce, and then this voice comes, what the hell? Who is this guy? What, ba what, what, what band is this? Uh, and I said, oh, what's going on? And then there is when I found out that before Bruce, there was this guy called Paul Liano that used to sing with them. So here's a here's a question for you because I, I as soon as you said that I I got my uh, music playlist in front of me here so I pulled up the the one that has Purgatory, which is interesting because okay now did you say that you had did you have Live After Death before you yeah. had the first ten years this Purgatory yeah yeah okay okay so interesting this is very interesting because this is very somewhat in a way it's, I'm going to tie this here together. You first heard the Iron Maiden. Okay, when you when you got uh, Live After Death, did you purchase the the actual the the record? Yeah, in vinyl. Yeah, okay, in you vinyl. got it on. Okay, so so you heard Phantom of the Opera. You heard Running Free, Wrathchild. You heard all these songs. All these, you know, you heard these different Paul Diano songs being sung mm -hmm. by Bruce. So mm -hmm. in your mind, and, and the way I felt is. These are just these are Iron Maiden songs because that was my very first album that I ever owned by them was Alive After Death. So when you hear this, because the first ten years also contains the Made in England, uh, not sorry, not Made in the Made in Japan it has the Made in Japan uh -huh. songs on it. Now that's the way I first heard Paul Diano was I, I had I had the actual I got a cassette of Made in Japan at some point. And so that was the first way I ever heard him was singing those songs. And so I actually, I don't know if I knew that they had a different singer by the time I had gotten that. But when I heard it, I knew it was a different singer, but I liked it. I liked the way he sounded live. I, I personally prefer him live to on, uh, on an album. I liked listening to Paul on the, for the, uh, the made in Japan. I loved it. I, that's, that's my favorite Paul recording is listening to Made in Japan. So that's, that's cool because, so that means me and you both found, both heard Paul, of course you heard um, the Purgatory studio song, a studio version before you heard uh, the actual songs from Made in Japan. So you heard a tiny bit of them before I did as far as studio version, but it's, it's, it's cool because we, that means we both came along, you know, kind of heard the same thing, even though it was a little bit of a different format. That's really neat. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, um, so you heard that. Okay. So you heard Paul sing, you heard purgatory, the studio version immediately you're listening to it and you're saying, Oh my gosh, who is this? What did I, did they put the wrong band song on the iron maiden <laughs> album? Um, <laughs> So what what other what other uh, what was your other first um, thoughts when you heard Paul? Other than that, what did you think of his voice? I really liked it, like it, and 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 uh, what? Why did he change the singer? You know, he he sounded great, I think, and, and I agree with you. And made uh, Paul sounds really good. And I thought, why did they change their singer? I thought it was great. Yeah. 
yeah, that, and yeah. found out about the whole history about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I know uh, we'll get to that a little later. I know you told me you've done a lot of digging since then. So, um, okay, so after you get into Maiden, you're talking 1990, and you said, you did you say you were about 16 years old in 1990? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so from there, you start going back and you start getting into the, all the Iron Maiden. Do you, do you remember... Uh, do you remember the order of the albums you got from that point? Because you obviously said somewhere in time was next, but do you remember any of the rest of the order of this of when you got things? Uh, I think it was uh, Number of the Beast, then Seven Son of a Seven Son, then Live After Death, and then I'm sure I started buying the first 10 years called Number Three. And I got uh, three, four, five, six, eight, and till ten, and I couldn't get uh, one and two. Okay, okay. So, okay. So at that point, you're still in probably ninety or ninety one. When was the first time you were able to actually see Iron Maiden play live in person? After the first was in 1992. Because that was the tour when they first uh, came to Venezuela. And here's a great story about that. Uh, I was abroad and I was, in, in, uh, was coming back to the country uh, near the, the first days of October. And I got in the plane and I was sitting in the plane and then this guy came uh, comes in and with and he had um, a black shirt that said said on no prayer on tour, and my mom looks at it and says, "Son, isn't that one of the guys from Iron Maiden?" And I turn around and I said, "Mom, don't you think I will know <laughs> from Iron Maiden passed by?" And just when I said that, I look um, into the front part of the plane and I said, oh, my God, but that guy is from Iron Maiden. It was Dave Murray. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dave Murray is in my same plane. (laughs) And, And my whole family started. Oh, there you go. You have to ask for his autograph. I was totally starstruck. I mean, I spent like 10 or 15 minutes trying to come to my senses that I was going to be able to be Dave Murray. And the funny thing is that I was still thinking about it. And then Janet Gerst comes into the plane. Oh, my gosh. So it was great. It was great. I remember I, I, I grabbed a piece of paper and my brother, who always uh, about this, like, I, I know I'm speaking English to you. But at that time, I said like something like, you, de morai, me, big paper, sign. I was like... <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't articulate. I was totally starstruck, but Dave was really, really, really nice. 
And he, he, he said, of course, I signed my paper. And we took a picture of, of both of us together. And then I went to Janik. And, and <laughs> this time I could articulate much better. And we ended up talking like 25 minutes. Wow. He was that great. Is... He was great. What? And, and this is, so this is, you said this was in 92? 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, I've never, the closest I've ever been to Iron Maiden is I've had Bruce put his hand on my head. I've had Bruce <laughs> step on my hand because I saw him on his accident of birth solo tour at a club. And so I was right up front. Um, Okay, first question is, do you still have, I mean, you surely still have the pictures that you got with those guys, right? Well, that's uh, another funny story. My brother who took the pictures uh, got him so bad that I don't have any pictures. Oh, no. <laughs> I just have the paper they signed. Oh, no. That's, oh, that sucks. Okay, so, <laughs> so you, you talked to Dave Murray. You... Uh, the pictures, the pictures don't work out after all these years. You, you talk to Dave Murray, you, and then you were, you said you struggled, you know, you were a little starstruck. And then by the time you get to Yannick, you've kind of calmed down enough to sit there. And you said you sit there and talk to him for 20 to 30 minutes. What, what do you recall of the conversation? Well, I remember we talked about a lot of things. Uh, he was really interested to know about my country. Of course, I was really interested in knowing about where was the rest of the band. And he actually told me the whole schedule. He told me, like, oh, Bruce is coming. Uh, I think he was coming directly from London. And Steve was going to catch another plane. And he, of course, asked me if I was going to the concert, which I said, of course. And, well, we talked about the the, how how the tour had been, and well, it was it was a pretty interesting conversation. It was it was good. Yeah, that's man. I mean, that's I don't. I've never like I've never had any real person. I've never had any personal interaction with any of them. So, um, out of your conversation with him. Uh, what do you remember? What is there one thing that stood out the most? Like maybe something funny or anything, or is, was it? Is it? Uh, is it kind of all blend together? Uh, I remember he saying, "One thing, country is women," because I heard the in your country, and uh, years after that, I I have. I have met him again. This time it was in 2008. And I actually had the time to, to talk to him in the hotel in, in Bogota, Colombia. And I remember uh, anything from Venezuela. And he said, yeah, the women. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's, uh, <laughs> that's funny, man. That's funny to hear. Uh, oh, God. So, Okay. So, so the first tour you were going to see was the Fear of the Dark tour, and you said they were coming to Venezuela, um, mm -hmm. and and you were obviously heading to the same place as the guys in the band. You know, they were heading that way. You were heading that way. So, tell me about your first Iron Maiden show. Latin American crowds are wild. 
I remember uh, I was pre a pretty big guy uh, at that moment. So I went straight in this and uh, in the middle, right in the front of the concert. Man, it was sweaty. Bruce was moving one place to another. Janik was crazy. I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I remember the three first songs I said like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm seeing Iron Maiden live in my car. <laughs> it was incredible. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. That's awesome. I, that's, uh, I had, uh, you know, my first, the first tour I saw was, uh, the seventh son. Uh, I saw no prayer for the dying. I saw the fear of the dark. Um, let me ask you this. Um, and I guess you probably would have mentioned this if, uh, if, if, if Yannick had said anything. Do you recall, was there any, did you get any kind of a vibe from him that there were any kind of tensions in the band as far as uh, with Bruce, you know, being ready to depart? Or did, did you get any kind of vibe from him that anything was weird going on? No, no. And you couldn't tell anything from that concert. I, and I, I, I'm 100% certain that by that time, uh, nothing was going on. Remember okay. that, that Bruce just, just announced he was leaving in, in three, I believe it was a concert okay. in New Zealand. According yeah. to, so in 1992, tell anything was wrong with Ben. And I actually have a bootleg of the concert uh, they play here in Venezuela fire you can't tell that there's any problems at all okay okay interesting that's interesting you um you're a fan of the band in 92 obviously the next year we find out that um bruce is leaving the band he leaves the band what'd you think when you heard that bruce was leaving the band i thought they were they were going to split honestly i really really sad uh i mean there was this was my favorite band and singer that for me it's the band is going so i said oh my god they're gonna split that's that's why they thought okay 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 so then obviously the next thing that kind of goes well at least okay well let's say bruce had put out at that point he had already put out Tattooed Millionaire. Did you, what did, did you hear that? And what did you think of it if you did? Yeah, I, I liked it. I like it. I was, uh, I thought it was, it was uh, different from Maiden, evidently. And I said, oh, it's, it's okay. I liked it. Okay. Okay. So the next thing he does is he leaves Iron Maiden and, and uh, Balls to Picasso comes out in 1994. So you get that. That's the next as far as in the timeline, that's the next thing between Iron Maiden and Bruce that comes out. What did you think of Balls to Picasso? I liked it even better than, than, than Tattoo. Uh, and I was thinking, why is, if he's, why does he have to leave Maiden? I'm not heavy metal, but uh, it wasn't like a radical change from, from, from Iron Maiden thinking i don't get why he had to leave yeah yeah it was still in the hard rock vein at very least I, that was uh that summer 
I remember getting that album and I remember taking a road trip and I think where I drove was probably a seven or eight hour drive. And I remember having that album on nonstop because it must have been new. And I just remember when I think of my trip, it was to New Mexico and uh, where I was heading. And I, when I think of that trip, that's the, that's, that was my soundtrack for that trip. And I, I love that album. You know, now looking back at it, I think, Compared to some of his other output, it's not as strong, but I always, but I liked it back then, and it still holds a special spot for me. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's okay. a great album. I, I, yeah. I like it. So the next thing, obviously, Maiden announces that they've got Blaze Bailey, and they end up putting out the X Factor. Uh, tell me your thoughts of finding out Blaze was in the band. I didn't know who Blaze Bailey was at all. I didn't know who Wolfsbane was, but. Did you know who Wolfsbane was before you heard that Blaze Bailey was in Iron Maiden? No, I didn't have any idea. And and what happened actually was this. Uh, Bruce leaves the band. They make the announcement. I thought Maiden was going to split. And I didn't hear anything from Maiden until this time in, in the radio. Uh, we're talking about uh, yeah, 1994. Uh, 1994, yeah. Uh, and then I'm listening to this program that was uh, was really late. And uh, I just turned on the radio and where this program is going. And then I heard this song and I said, wait a minute, that's Maiden. And then uh, this guy at the moment, Blaze, starts singing. It was uh, Man on the Edge. And I said, what the hell? Who is this? Who is this guy? What has Maiden done? I didn't like him at all. Okay, okay. So you heard Man on the Edge. And I'm assuming that your next initial thing to do was go out and buy the X, find the X Factor, and, and get the whole album so you could hear it. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. So you that's go, exactly what I did. So you get the album, you listen to the whole album, and what, what's your mindset at that point? That made it was going to to split after the album. I honestly, that's the first thing I I, I thought about. Okay. Okay, so I don't. So, did they tour in Venezuela on that tour? Do you know? No, no, they didn't. They didn't, they didn't okay. come to Venezuela uh, until two thousand. I uh, I didn't see Blaze live. Okay, okay. So, okay, so the X Factor is out. You listen to it. You buy it. You didn't like it at the time. Did it between between the time that that came out? Uh, and I don't know if, if, okay, between the time that came out and the time that, um, virtual 11 came out, did the X factor grow on you? A little bit. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So eventually <laughs> Iron Maiden huh. comes out with another single, I guess I'm moving forward here called the angel mm -hmm. and the gambler. Did you hear that before you ever heard? <laughs> Virtual Eleven. Um, I, I don't. No, I I think I didn't. No, no, I'm pretty sure I didn't. Okay, so you end up hearing. Okay, so when do you hear about Virtual Eleven? 
Oh, uh, that was another funny thing. Uh, I walked into this the store and I saw the poster from the album and I said, "Oh, I remember has a so I'm going to buy it." And that's when I bought it. Okay, okay. Now let me ask you this. So between the time that the the X Factor came out, you know, there's about a 3-year gap there, I believe, and you didn't like uh, X Factor. They didn't tour in your part of the country or your part of the world over there. So, musically, where were you at during that time frame? Did you just kind of go, okay, Iron Maiden's probably done. I'm moving on, or what? Yeah, uh, I remember listening to a lot of Metallica. Okay, okay. So, and Metallica was in kind of a transitional uh, spot. Uh, as well with their loadouts, yeah. I guess, back in that time frame. So, okay, okay. So you hear, okay, so you go into the record store, you see Virtual Eleven, you buy it, you bring it home, you put it on, and? And I, I honestly, I, I liked it. I liked it. It was so you, a huge uh, release for me. Oh, yeah, there, there can work. I'm going to split. They're doing okay. All right. All right. So you put on, like, and like to me, you put on Virtue, uh, I'm sorry, you put on Future Real. Future Real sounds like it could have fit in on, to me, it, I mean, it sounds like it could have fit in on a, like, peace of mind or something. It's aggressive. Yeah. It's got that classic maiden gallop as soon as the song starts. And, you know, and, and Blaze in his own right is a good singer. It's just, He's a lot different than Bruce. It's just that's the mm-hmm. thing. So, so you listen to it, you like it, you're like, okay, these guys they can still do it. They're 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 still putting out music. They're not breaking up. And then they didn't come. They did, you said they didn't tour there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they do the virtual. And I know, and and I, I know you are. I know you know everything. I'm going to say you probably know a, a, a million times more than what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so. They move forward. Obviously, they tour for the album. We all know in hindsight that they they uh, end up having Blaze leave the band in 1999, and they announced that Bruce and Adrian are coming back. When did you hear about that, or did you just all of a sudden hear about, oh, wow, Iron Maiden has another new album out? How'd that go for you? No, no. You know, at that time, uh, I already had internet and I remember that I found out in the page, like uh, Bruce and Adrian are back. And I said, what? No way. I shouted my lungs out with the. It was like, oh man, my dream come true. <laughs> All right. So, did you. Now, when was the next time? Because I know that I don't know all the tour dates, I don't have them in front of me here, but I know at least. Iron Maiden did some touring in the United States and in Europe. Did they come the tour before? What was the tour before? Uh, what was it called when they first came, when Bruce and Adrian came back? I can't remember. Ed Hunter tour. Did they play in Venezuela on that? No, no. Remember that Ed Hunter tour only played in, in North America and some dates in Europe. Okay. See here. People are going to find out why here in a little bit, why you're, the, uh, why you're so knowledgeable here and why I'm asking you questions and not, I don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's one thing I don't pretend to be on my podcast is I'm, I'm certainly not all knowing. I don't know everything about Maine. I feel like I know a lot, 
but I've always I heard there's a podcast I used to listen or I still do listen to it. And one time they said they said we thought we were a big Kiss fans, and when we started our podcast, that's when we really met the big Kiss fans. You know, we we realize we don't know as much as, as there's other people that know a lot more than we do. So and and coming you know and talking to you, I know, I know that you know more than I. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that information there. Now. So, okay, so like you said, the internet's around now. So you heard that they were coming back, and when did you hear about the new album coming out, Brave New World? Oh, wow. Uh, uh, I remember, I remember it was, uh, I mean, I knew when they, when they went to Portugal, to, to, to Steve Villa in Portugal, and I knew they had went there to write the new album. So, okay, Brave New World comes out. When? What's your first thoughts when you hear Brave New World? They're back. <laughs> That's what the, <laughs> the first thing I thought was. Every band is back. They're going to rock. They're going to rule. They're going to conquer the world. They, there's going to be made for the next millennia, I, I was jumping all over the walls. I loved it. And you know what's so Every great? Single note of that album. Yes, yes. I think start to finish that album, there's not a bad track. That and that's funny that you say that. You know, they're going to rule the world. It's like basically they've been just getting bigger and bigger, and they haven't. You know, they the albums are all good. They've you know you're thinking, and now it's funny. Looks, it's, it's 20 years now. 21 mm-hmm. years since Bruce and Adrian got back in the band. And and I think it's really good because see see if you agree with this. I think that if Bruce obviously Adrian had left the band uh five years or four years, well, probably two three years prior to Bruce, but I think specifically for Bruce, if he had not left Iron Maiden when he did. And he'd stay, let's say he stayed around and Bruce was actually on the X Factor. I think that he might would have, they may not be around right now. I think they needed to break. I think he needed a break from them. Him and Steve needed to be apart to realize that they really needed each other even more. Do you agree with yeah. that? I totally agree with you. I totally agree. And, and okay, problems with. Uh, Machine started as as soon as uh, somewhere in time. Uh, I mean, I can delve right into this, but I think it will take a whole new podcast about it. Well, uh, yeah, Bruce Bruce had to leave because we know he likes doing a lot of stuff, and he felt that express himself as he wanted artistically. So it had to happen. And, and if in some way uh, they made a machine uh, like saying, no, we, we have you on contract, you cannot leave, uh, probably made him wouldn't exist today. I think so. Okay. So we're definitely in agreement there. Okay. Yeah. So let's see here. Now, I'm not going to go through every single album right now because <laughs> I'm, kinda, I'm just trying to get it because, I mean, that was definitely a pivotal time in the history of the band. So I wanted to kind of see because you were there and you're a fan and, you know, I wanted to see if you had what recollections you had. Cause for me, 
I want to say, and it's funny because I'm I'm starting to notice a certain thing about Iron Maiden fans. Is it seems like another another piece of the puzzle of when Bruce left, Blaze came into the band. You know, they lost Martin Birch as a producer. Steve Harris is going through a divorce, so he's writing different. The whole musical climate's changing. Adrian Smith wasn't in the band anymore. So there's so many things. Uh, you know, Blaze's vo- vocal style was, you know, wasn't, he didn't have the same range as, as uh, Bruce. So all these things are going on. And another thing that I'm noticing, and, and this is another piece that I'm kind of putting together, is a lot of people are talking about, because think about when we became fans, and around that time frame is when we were getting to points where we're, you know, people are moving out of the house. They're going to a lot of people overseas. I noticed have said, "Oh, I was." That's when I was going to university, hanging around, making new friends. So different friends are listening to different music, and a lot of people that were fans in the '80s were in a transitional period in their life. So almost where you didn't have as much time because you know when I, okay, when you were younger, I'm sure it was the same way when you bought no prayer for the dying and you brought that album home and you're, you sat down with it and you put it on, you're looking at the artwork and you're, you know, I don't know if it came with a lyric sheet, but if so, you're reading the lyrics along while you're listening to it. And you fast forward to five years later and you're in your twenties and you work in jobs and doing, you know, going to school, whatever, you don't have the time anymore to mm-hmm. just lay on the floor, sit on the couch, and just absorb an album quite the same way as you do when you're younger. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's totally correct. I mean, <laughs> into consideration that the X Factor is a long album. So it's not like you can sit, uh, in your room in the album yeah yeah you're right it's that and so that's a, that's another piece of the puzzle that i've been kind of thinking about because I've, I've i never had thought of it before because you know listening to talking maiden and they would you know they talk about the the different things and you know when i hear them say it i'm like oh that definitely makes it you know that kind of that adds to it you know that the the musical climate was changing and this and that but then i started thinking about it Martin Birch was a huge part of the Maiden sound. He's gone. And then, like I said, and just in talking to the few people I've talked to so far, and everyone, it seems like, you know, that was a transitional part of everyone's life. And so it was the same for me. I was making different friends. And, you know, you know, and, and all the while, the musical climate was changing. And, you know, I didn't dislike Nirvana. When I heard Nirvana, I thought Nirvana was rock and roll. And, I like rock and roll. I'm not prejudiced against it. I, I and thinking, oh well, it's grunge or whatever. So that contributed too. But the 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 period of time where all your fans, you know, you figure in the '80s, most of their fans were probably teenagers or early 20s, and then you progress into the '90s, and now you, all your fans are getting older too and don't have as much time. And then you get where Bruce comes back. He came back at the perfect time because now your fans are getting closer to, to their later 20s, and now they they have jobs. They're probably making better money than they were making before. So now they can start you know, paying more money to go to shows, and, and they have the means to do that with. So it's strange how all of that worked together, and, and it sucks for Blaze Bailey's time in the band because it's not his fault. He did the best he could. 
he he participated and personally I I've just gotten into Blaze Bailey's solo material in the last few months and I think him he was in university while he went was in Iron Maiden and he graduated top of the class learned so much about songwriting he's a great and he came out of that a totally changed artist he's a great songwriter he knows he learned so much from Steve but I feel like uh I think that if I don't know obviously eventually people like nostalgic they wanted to hear Bruce back and eventually he came back so um so here's a question for you um the next tour that you saw which tour was that after because you, you said you saw them on fear of the dark uh Bruce left the band. You didn't see them on the Blazers. When was the next tour you saw? Uh, the next time I saw them was in the Summer Back in Time tour. Okay, and that was that was two thousand and eight. Two thousand. So that was after uh, the the matter of life and death. Okay, so did they just not come to your part of the world during those years, or what? Yeah. That's correct. They didn't. They didn't. And by the way, uh, yeah, actually, actually, they they didn't. The closer they got to my country was Brazil. And at that time, I was was working in a law firm, and it wasn't so easy to you know like to schedule the scheduling the the time to go to Brazil and see. Easy because I was, well, I had a ton of, of work, and the trips to Brazil are pretty expensive, so I I didn't have the chance to to go and see them. Gotcha. Okay, for a geography challenged person like myself, how far how far is Brazil from you? Like, if you were, is it somewhere you can drive, or is it are you getting on a plane and flying there? To uh, from Venezuela to Brazil? Yes. Uh, well, you can actually drive there. Like you, uh, I think at least uh, three days. And oh. to get to Rio de Janeiro, it will take you probably I don't know, like five or. So. Okay. Okay. So it's much more feasible to fly there you definitely unless you're just not unless you're unemployed <laughs> yeah exactly exactly oh gosh so okay so yeah that makes sense okay um okay here's a question outside of that have you ever attended a show in in uh in rio no 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 i haven't i haven't uh, yet yet yes i you know obviously you listen to um rock in rio and oh man the crowd I uh, love, I love, love, love listening to that crowd, and I would love to attend a show there. Now, you told me some things about the <laughs> South American crowds and how it's kind of, you know, you can be kind of like almost, almost like getting in the ocean. It sounds like I kind of like you get into the water and the waves can just kind of move you and pull you around. And I'm just like, eh, I like to buy a seat and have a seat to sit in to, you know, to have my own kind of place. I'm not a big like here they call it. They'll have seats, and then they'll have this area up front where they'll call it the pit. Uh-huh. And you just and I'm not a fan of really. I like to be able to watch the show, and if I'm getting moved around a whole bunch and all that, I'm not going to be able to maybe pay as much attention because you know you're focused on getting crushed and you know mm-hmm. just all the squirming around and everything. And I'm like, 
so that really i would i would love to attend a show there but i don't i don't know how much i would like being in that type of crowd environment so um okay so here's another question for you you said you saw them on the uh, somewhere back in time Mm -hmm. now have you been able to see pretty much every tour after that uh well i saw them uh on the final frontier tour and was in the legacy of the beast Okay, so the the um, okay, so the final frontier. So so they didn't bring the Made in England show there. No, no. And did. did they not bring the Book of Souls there either? Yeah, uh, uh, Maiden hasn't come to my country or or uh, near it. I will say uh, since the final frontier. Uh, they've been, of course. I, I don't know. Yeah. They've been to Brazil, but uh, as I said earlier, it's pretty expensive going to Brazil from my country. So I didn't have a chance to to see them. Uh, yeah, the, in 2014, they they brought the Made in England tour to Brazil, but I haven't been able to see them in in South America since 2010. Okay, so okay, so now you said you attended the Legacy of the Beast show. Where did you see the Legacy of the Beast show at? In Firenze, in Italy. Oh, so you saw two shows? Uh, just one. It was it was in Firenze. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you, I thought you said France and Italy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, so um. Okay, out of the tours you've seen, so you've seen Legacy of the Beast, you saw No Prayer on the Road, no, no, I'm sorry, Fear of the Dark, and you yeah. saw the uh, Somewhere Back in Time tour. Which of those is your favorite show? Which one of those shows did you like the best? Uh, Somewhere Back in, oh my god, uh, they're tied. The Somewhere Back in, in Time and the Legacy of the Beast tour are both amazing. I mean, we're basically talking about the return of, of the somewhat uh, the World Slavery Tour and the Legacy of the Beast, which are basically biggest tours they have put out in their entire career. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've um, I told because uh, I've been thinking about it and I have my th- my top three shows because I okay. I've seen Seventh Son, Fear on the Road, uh, I'm sorry, Fear of the Dark, No Prayer for the Dying. Uh, I saw the Brave New World tour, but honestly, when I went to that, I just I was there uh, here in the States. Um, Rob Halford opened. He was, he was opening that show, and I was almost there to see Rob Halford more than I was to see because I was really, really into his newest album that he had out. Uh, I was there, and I didn't have very good seats where I was at. I was pretty far from the stage, so it just wasn't as exciting. But I saw that tour. I saw... And then from there, the next tour that I saw was the Made in England tour. So that was like seeing the Seventh Son tour again, which was my first one. And from you know, obviously from there, I saw, I saw that, and I saw Book of Souls, and I saw Legacy of the Beast. Of those three, my favorite shows are the first one, 
the um, Made in England show because that was like going back to being 16 years old, and then the <laughs> legacy of the of the legacy of the beast. And to me, my favorite of the three, and maybe it's maybe this is why, but my favorite of the three is Legacy of the Beast because I I got to take my daughter my daughter and my son went with me to the Book of Souls, but I really wanted them to hear Hallowed Be Thy Name because that was the song that I kind of introduced them to Iron Maiden with, and then because of that lawsuit at the time, they didn't play it here. Mm. And when me and my daughter went to the legacy and the legacy of the beast to me was just such a better show anyway, but that's my favorite show is the legacy of the beast. It's amazing. I, I, I totally can understand that because um, man, uh, Bruce is sounding so good. And the whole theatrics thing is it's a show. It's, it's a complete show. It's like, uh, I, I used to say this, I love Pink Floyd. When Royal Waters was uh, touring the States with uh, The Wall again, uh, I went to see them and, and you can compare both tours. I mean, it, music, it's not only the artist, it's the presentation on stage with what makes the difference. So, yeah, yeah, I understand that. Let me ask you this. Um, okay, well, let me ask you this other question first. I did a poll on Twitter recently, and I want to see what your what you probably answered on it, but I want to see what your just. I want you to tell me your answer. Um, and you probably wrote it on there, so if you wrote it, I just don't remember. <laughs> so, um, if Iron Maiden was going to cut one song from their set list, and it was going to either be one of these four, which one would you choose? The Number of the Beast, Fear of the Dark. The Trooper or Iron Maiden, the song Iron Maiden. Which one of those songs would you cut out? Okay, this is funny because I think I was the first person who answered that question in Twitter. And I'm going to say this, and probably I will get much hate for this. I said <laughs> Fear of the Dark. Okay, okay. And I, I don't know that I've really said on there, but this came from a conversation I was having with a uh, with um, my friend, and it's on my it's on my um, it was my friend Joel. We were talking. It's on my episode that came out on Tuesday, the sec side two of the uh, Iron Maiden self titled album. And he asked me, he was because we were talking about the song Iron Maiden, and he said, "I bet you this is a song that when it comes on live." And I said, "You know what? If Iron Maiden cut this song out of the set list and put something else in." I could probably name 10 songs I'd rather hear than I could probably name 25 songs that I would rather hear, you know, just because it's been played at every show. Not that I don't like, and I said, not that I don't like the song, but I mean, if, if Iron, if Steve Harris texted me today and he just said, Hey, this is Steve Harris on our next <laughs> tour, we're going to cut out the song Iron Maiden and we're going to put monster gear in. How do you feel about that? I would be like, dude, I'm all over it. And there's, you know, you could go through their catalog and I mean, and this, and I know, like you said, I don't think you'll get any hate for that because I think it's, it's a hard question to answer because all of those are classic songs. I'm telling you, man, I would rather hear, this is going to probably sound bad to people that don't like the post stuff, but I would rather hear Rainmaker. I would rather hear Passchendaele. I would rather hear The Talisman. I would rather hear, man, there's, I could name so many songs. I would rather hear 
different world. I would rather hear any song from A Matter of Life and Death. I would rather hear Sea of Madness. So many different songs that I would prefer to hear than that. And not saying I don't like the song, but I would just, you know, but, 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 but at the same time, when they play it, I love it. You know, I'm singing along. I would rather hear a lot of different songs because I've heard Iron Maiden live. Every time I've ever seen them, I've heard it. I still like the song. I still enjoy it when they play it live. But so that was how that started. He asked me that. And I said, you know, there's plenty of songs I would rather hear live. And when I went to the Legacy of the Beast show, I recorded every single song they played, even the song Iron Maiden. But there's one song that I did not record because I was like, and this is the song I would vote for. I would remove Number of the Beast. Because, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's on, and that's one, and, and, uh, this, now you want to talk about getting some hate, get ready for this. <laughs> Whenever I, okay, I'm going to tie this into my next question. If I could go back in time and see <laughs> any Iron Maiden tour, currently that my thought process, I would go back and I would see the Matter of Life and Death tour on which they played the full album. I would love to have heard, you know, in hindsight, if I was attending that show, I think it would have been a little weird for them to play the whole, depending on how familiar you were with the album at the time that you saw the show, I think it would have been a little odd. And I can understand fans reacting like going, golly, are y'all going to, is that all you're going to play is the news album? You're not going to play anything old? I can understand that a little bit. But looking back in time, I would absolutely adore getting to listen to that full album being played live. And funny enough, on that tour, they did not play The Number of the Beast. That's the mm -hmm. only tour, and I know you know this, that's the only tour that they did not play The Number of the Beast. And I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't play The Trooper on that tour either, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't, but... But uh, uh, the the Amulet tour did have a second part that was called A Matter of the Beast. It was oh. number of the beast on that one. Okay, okay. So yeah, I, I, and I know there was a, yeah I know there was a second part where they played less of the album. But I and like I said, I don't dislike the song Number of the Beast. It's a huge huge piece of their catalog it's 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 the song that they pull out all the stops in this concert when you saw legacy of the beast i mean there's more explosions and fire and just everything in that song so it's i don't dislike hearing i sing along when they play it but i was like i'm not even going to record this song because it's on every single other live album they've done and that was and, and like i said I, I think and james frazier uh, James from New Zealand, he said it on um, on Twitter on that poll. You probably saw his response. He just said, I think that song is very, it's it's overplayed. And so I, I agree with that. But now my question to you from all of that, if you could go back in time and see any tour, you know, that you, even if it's a tour that you've seen, which tour would you want to go back in time and see if you could pick one? I will go and see the British tour. They put out the Soundhouse tapes, like 1979, with Paul 
and Dennis and, 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 and you know, it was such crazy stuff. That was the tour. I wow. Wow. No. Okay. And I know you, I know you're definitely a made in history, but the tour before that, so you're talking, so you're saying when they got, um, when they got the band together, they, they, uh, cause I'm trying to remember, did they actually play dates before the first album came out with where they had Dennis Stratton? Yes. Yes, of course. I'm trying to remember because I know there was a period where because Dennis and Clive Burr, you know, they both came along really soon before they recorded the first album. So, okay, I'm just trying I'm trying to you're not talking to Nesbit. <laughs> so, I don't remember <laughs> I, I don't remember every bit of it and you're not talking to yourself and I know you know it all too. So, um I'm just trying to remember because I'm trying to remember how many how many shows did they play approximately with Dennis before the first album came out? Do you know? Uh, before. Hmm. Well, you, uh, they were playing, uh, they were playing uh, uh, the Metals for Mothas tour, and they actually have to interrupt their dates because they went in to record the first album. Okay, okay. I just listened to, I just listened to that, um, the made, uh, the talking made in podcast, the episodes recently where they did, and I want to say they played about 12 or 14 shows. So, um, yeah. before they, so would those have been the only shows that Dennis played before they recorded the album? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you would have wanted to see them on the metal for mother's tour. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can understand that. That was definitely a uh, interesting time, man. That definitely would have been a, a neat time to see him too. So, um, and I would, and and personally, I would love to go back. I mean, it would, it, I would love to just be able to go back and watch all of these shows to see that my first new album as a fan. I was into, I had Live After Death, and Somewhere in Time came out, and. This is what's oh this this really makes me mad. If I had been a, a little older, Iron Maiden played in they played in Dallas, Texas, and they played in Fort Worth, Texas. Like I, I used to remember that it was I want to say it was like seventeen days apart. Iron Maiden does not come to Texas and um, leave Texas and then come back and play in Texas a month later. Um, mm -hmm. hold on just a second. I'm going to see if I can look something up. The Iron Maiden commentary, I believe is the page. Uh, oh wait, I did it wrong here. Just give me a second here. Okay. Yeah, I can hear it. I'm going to tell you these, uh, the tour dates on this cause it blows my mind. And I'm telling you, these two venues are like 30 miles apart. So imagine that Iron Maiden played in your country and left and 30 days later they came back and played another show in your country again just 25 miles away that's oh, really uh, awesome oh man so okay I'm, I'm pulling it up right now they uh let's see here england where's the american part of this tour uh and i know i'm sorry to be pausing it and, and taking the extra time here but i just wanted to tell you this because it when i saw this when i was just looking through the tour dates on this uh, site I, it blew me away that Okay, so January 22nd, they play in Dallas, Texas. 
unfortunately at an arena that is no longer there. It's completely okay. gone. Um, January 22nd. So fast forward to where was the next show here? Uh, March 1st. Okay. So there was, I said it was a little longer than that. So February has 28 days. So there's like, say basically nine days, 28. So 37. Uh, and what day did I say? Okay. Within 38 days, they play another show in Fort Worth, Texas. 30. So they went from, they went from Dallas. They played, let's see, uh, one, two, they played about three shows in Texas. Then they went to Oklahoma. They came back to Texas for three more shows, four more shows. Then they went to Kansas. They went to Colorado, Utah, Washington state, which is, uh, which is Northwest, totally Northwest United States, Oregon, Northwest, that's way Northwest, uh, California, Sacramento. They make their way to Southern California, Long Beach Arena, which we all know that phrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then they go down to Oakland, which is Southern California. They go to Arizona. Then they come back to Texas. And then from there, they go and they play a little more throughout Texas or throughout the United States. And I'm like, within 40 days, they played two headlining shows. Within 30, you know, within 50 miles of where I was living at the time. And I knew not of either show ever until about, <laughs> till within the last six months. I was looking at that and it just, I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. If, of course, my parents probably wouldn't have let me go. Um, oh. And I don't know if you were a Kiss fan ever or anything like that, but they had Vinnie Vincent's, uh, uh, solo band opening for it, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. So, as a as an older Kiss fan, that kind of would have been interesting to see too. But man, to see Iron Maiden on the Somewhere in Time tour when I was a brand new fan, to see them open with Caught Somewhere in Time, that's another one that I I think that would have to be another one on my list of I would love to have seen that show as well. Okay, uh, what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Let's pretend you got all the way back to 1979 and, and uh, you just happened to – your time machine is going to let you make one extra trip. What, other t- what would be the next tour you would want to go see? Uh, I think uh, – gee, that's uh, – tough. Yeah, the, some, somewhere on tour. Cause, okay. I mean, since I got made a nice with the somewhere in time, I mean, I will have loved to see a show from somewhere on tour. Yeah, I can agree. Well, hey, if you ever figure out the time machine, swing by and pick <laughs> me up, and we'll go to the, we'll go together. <laughs> sure. So we won't have wasted years. Ah, there you go. There you go. Nice <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh, that's great. Okay. Now, uh, I'm going to kind of wind down here, and this is going to be the last question I ask uh, before okay. – before we end here. So um, other than Iron Maiden, what would you say are some of your other, uh, your favorite, other favorite bands? My other favorite band, uh, Pink Floyd. Okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Do you, um, I'm kind of a, uh, I like Pink Floyd. I never got to see them live. I had one opportunity to see them. Um, in 1988, they were on their, I believe it was the momentary lapse of reason. And I was, uh, I was 16 years old and I was working at a restaurant 
And a bunch of the people that I worked with were really into Pink Floyd. And that's kind of when I got into them. But a bunch of the you know kids that were a couple of years older than me, they were all going to go see Pink Floyd. And stupid, stupid me, I didn't go. I didn't go to the show with them. And I, I wish I had just for the experience because it was a pretty big tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm kind of a... I don't, I'm pro- maybe I'm more of what you would call a fair weather fan for Pink Floyd because I like the wall. I like um, Dark Side of the Moon. I like, uh, there's one other album. What's the other album I like? I uh, Wish You Were Here. And those are probably all the more popular albums, but I really, I like those. I love listening to David Gilmore play guitar. He's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. So good call. Well, um, Luis, I tell you what, because I know we've been going here for a bit. Uh, I really want to tell you, and I definitely want to have you back on sometime because I know you got more stories. Actually, I'm going to ask you one more question. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> In our conversations on uh, via email, I, I'm I'm so glad I just thought of this. You should have you should have interrupted me. Um, you told me that you have put together an Iron Maiden book, and if you will, I haven't I haven't actually got it yet. Um, cause me and you just got in communication here in just the last couple of weeks. Um, tell me, tell anybody that's going to hear this, tell me about, tell about your book, tell a little bit about putting it together, whatever, whatever you want to say, where people could find the book, where people can find you and communicate with you as well. Okay. So there's a story behind the book. Once I got made a nice in 1990, uh, I had to find the band grabbing everything I could I mean like uh, newspapers and information in magazines and stuff so I start buying and buying and buying and buying stuff and one thing the first albums is that in my country at least they didn't have the lyric sheets so I grabbed a notebook and found the lyrics I could figure it out and then I started a whole bunch of information about the band and time um, my then girlfriend now wife said hey you got a lot of information here why don't you make a book so i started writing a book in, in the computer and getting all the information some order and stuff and then the internet came uh, uh, a bunch of uh, uh, pages of internet pages that I thought were pretty interesting and I thought um, I can make an internet page but I have no at all of how to make it so I decided to compile all my information and put a first edition of this book which I circulated among some friends here in Venezuela and said man you gotta you gotta keep doing this you gotta keep making this so i brought out a second edition which was over like 1000 pages long and said nobody has been as crazy of you to gather this much information uh you gotta sell this so uh, past year in 2019 i i put the book out you said you had a facebook page out for people that buy the book and um, okay, so what is the uh, what's the title of the book? Okay, the book 
Royal Discography of the Beast. The Discography and, of the Beast, okay. Yeah, and basically it, is, it has uh, commentaries of every song that, ev that and in every thing that Maiden has put out, the videos, it has a solography, I mean, who plays each solo in the song, the true meaning of the song according to each member of the band. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, just listening to you talk about it, I'm going, okay, I got I to gotta just go ahead and get this book. <laughs> I got to go ahead and get it now. Because uh, that, sounds, I mean, that sounds like a lot of cool information. And I always have a, I always have a hard time when I listen to a song hearing like knowing sometimes everything that sounds bluesy i always think is dave murray and recently i was watching a bootleg of the matter of life and death tour and out of the shadows was playing you know and it's got the very first guitar solo is really really bluesy and so i always thought oh that's dave and then i watched the video and it's adrian playing it and i'm like Oh wow! Okay, so never mind. So I, I sometimes I like I, Yannick kind of seems to have a certain. Um, his to me is the most easy to tell because it's kind of erratic at times, and it's it's got a certain sound or something. But uh, I definitely want to see that too. So um, uh, I'll say, uh, Luis, it's been it's been a blast talking to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. And thank you very much for coming on here and talking. I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, it will be my pleasure, Steve. I feel like we have a lot in common, Maiden. Uh, we have great taste, and it's been a pleasure. It's been a real, real pleasure talking to you because, oh, you actually did, a, a, I think you, you did a post about this. Uh, if we had uh, people who we could talk about, about Maiden. Didn't you do a post about that? Yes, yes. Well, th there you go. So I, I don't know many people in person who I can go and talk two hours about Maiden. So you're it. So yeah. I hope that next time I go to the United States, I meet you in person. So I can say, yeah, I got one. It's my friend, Uncle Steve. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks again, sir. It's been a pleasure, man. Okay, well, there you have it. Another story in the books or on the podcast. Uh, now, don't forget, don't forget to email me your story. Put that on your honeydew list for this week. You know that Iron Maiden stories make great gifts for that Iron Maiden fan in your life. Even if you've never met them, email me at ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com. So on behalf of myself, Luis, from Iron Maiden, from Eddie, and from the boys, oh yeah, make sure to listen to the very end for something very special from Luis and I. Good night. <laughs> Some things in life are bad They can really make you mad Other things just make you swear and curse When you're chewing on life's gristle That 
scramble, give a whistle, and this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten, and that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle. That's the thing. Ain't always look on the bright side of life. It's quite absurd, and death's the final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your seat, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Just before you draw your terminal breath. Okay. You can hear me there okay? Yes, I can. All right. All right. So, okay. I will um I will go ahead and start here. I'll I'll do a little 3 2 1. I'll start talking and then I'll introduce you. Uh I, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to say, you know, I've learned a, I'm learning a lot about geography or geography on my while I'm doing this. I wasn't expecting that. And then I'll kind of go into that and um well, actually, I'll introduce you first, and then I'll go into the questions. So, okay, no, I'll do it. Three, two, one, ten. Here. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I'm obviously not a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Don't oh, worry, Sam. I love right, this kind right, of okay. stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'll say three, two, one. All right, I'm doing fan feedback on this. Oh, my gosh. I'm, okay, let me start again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about that, and so I got that in my mind. Okay, let me do that again. One day you're going to have to put bloopers in, in, in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I really should. What I really, I think I really should do is just start recording the conversation right when I get on the phone because I usually tend to spend, you know, 20 or 30 minutes because, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea of getting on. Now, I might have to do it with some people because I might just say, look, I, don't, I only have an hour or something like that, but. I like to try to, you know, get to talk a little bit because it's 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 like, um, you know, we, me, and you have had something in common for thirty years. It's just we've never met, so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so so it's easy to converse with somebody when you have that. So, but we still haven't met. So it's I like to try to at least, uh, you know, just kind of chat a little bit and make, you know, I want you to be comfortable with me and I want to be comfortable with you and you know, and so far it's worked okay that way. So. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. It's, you're breaking the ice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I will go ahead and I'll try this again. <laughs> All right, I try not to laugh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right, let's see. Uh, let's see. I've got three, two, one. All right. <laughs> there you go. I knew that was uh, going to happen. Oh my god! Oh man! Oh, Next thing you know, I'll be yawning. <laughs> oh god! Oh, my god. <laughs> That's a good idea about putting bloopers in, though. I may, 
I may this your episode may be the first episode to get it. I may just throw them at the very very end after the everything's over, and then if someone listens that far, then they'll get to hear a few of these. <laughs> well, that would be great. I think it will be so fun. <laughs> oh man, man, this is. Uh, I wonder if it's lack of sleep. So that might be a little <laughs> bit of it too. It's. Uh, I always have this. I have this joke with my wife that I, I have this okay. joke that I do with everybody. And I'll like sometimes, you know, my wife, you know, you know, your spouse can get mad at you sometimes and she'll she go, hey, don't play dumb with me. And I'll go, hey, I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's like, I'm not playing. Trust me. This is just this is just me. So, um, OK, let me think in my mind. OK, we're going to oh. do Iron Maiden okay. stories. OK, OK, here we go. OK, yeah. two, one. All right. I'm doing Iron Maiden stories. And today I have somebody on the show with me from a part of the world that I have not spoken to anyone from yet. I've got Luis from Venezuela on the line, and I'm really excited to talk to him. Luis, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you, Steve? He goes, yes, I know. I caught it, too. (laughs) Because I like to talk, too. Oh hey, I don't mind. I don't mind the music. I don't mind the ice cream man music in the background. Unless you want to run out there and get something. <laughs> no, it's, uh, no. Okay, okay. Good night. 